In a make-believe world as vast as Hollywood can offer, there are movies that stood the test of time to us and to us alone. These films may or may not resemble the critically acclaimed classics that have acquired accolades at glittering star-studded award ceremonies, but have won their way into our hearts. These movies are not iconic, but myconic. This time we watched how an extramarital affair can turn into a dynamic force for good against a nuclear terror threat, and an alien savior takes on an unimaginable force for evil with a rubber-clad man in a vest. The films are True Lies and The Fifth Element. So here we are, yet again. We are gathered together to uh, enjoy another episode. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Because that sounded so like... Like was a it, church meeting. Was it quasi-religious? That <laughs> yeah, it really was. Okay. We, ga- we gathered together. <laughs> um, we won't start with a prayer, but what we'll do is, <laughs> we've already had the intro, so we know what's coming. Um, that is to say, we're reviewing a couple of more um, films from our past um, that are, are meaningful to us, that we'd love to share with you. Uh, our dutiful listeners, wherever you may be. <laughs> you would have to be dutiful, to be fair, to listen to us. Um, so, um, do you want to tell tell everyone um, which films we're doing? And then I can give us a little bit. Which one, And which one you'd like to do first, actually? Uh, let's go with your choice, which was The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element, indeed. So... This is uh, the blurb, which I believe is from uh, Apple TV. This is their description. Um, So, New York, the 23rd century. The Earth is about to be destroyed by a huge ball of fire racing towards the planet. Cornelius, an old monk, knows how to stop the burning sphere. The fifth element, the supreme being who unites the four basic elements, air, water, fire and earth, must be summoned for it is the only being who can stop evil. Cornelius, with the help from Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, a taxi driver and former secret agent, and Lilu, played by Mila Jovovich, an alien in an alien in the shape of a beautiful orange-haired woman <laughs> set off on a myriad of adventures in an attempt to save humanity and fight the horrendous Zorg, played by, indeed, Gary Oldman. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to kind of kick things off. I have a few notable moments throughout the, the movie that, that I not only remembered... Um, but uh, enjoyed watching again. Um, but, but perhaps you can tell us how when you first saw this, when did you become aware so, of the movie? I See, the thing is, like, almost all of these films exclusively were watched around our mate's house. Really? Because I, 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 I think I saw this. Did your brother have a copy of this on VHS? Yes, he, he definitely had it... Um, had a copy of it, so it it may have been may have been that then it might have just been my my brother and his copy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember <laughs> being round at your house, um, being in the living room late at night. Let's put a movie on. 
your brother had this, we put it on. I think it was just you, me, and a couple of other mates. Everybody, in the instance of me watching this movie first, I guess maybe this is the reason why I had already seen it. And from what I recall, I was the only one that stayed awake to watch the oh, whole, really? whole movie, yeah, all the way through. I definitely watched it all the way through the, the first time. See, I watched this because it was Luc Besson and mm. I'd watched Leon mm. um, beforehand. So off the back of Leon, <clears throat> which, again, as a 15-year-old, I thought was the best film ever made. Oh, yeah. Um, so just the fact that this had Luc Besson's name attached to it was reason enough for me to... And Gary Oldman was reason enough for me to to get on board and watch it. Um, but again, I, I, I thought it was... I And it, I will get into this a bit more, but it, it it's a bonkers film. <laughs> it is all over the place. Proper bonkers. But I, I loved it. Mm. Do you know one of the things I really like about it? Again, it's going back to what you said about um, The Rock, is that uh, obviously it's a sci-fi film, so there is still a lot of cgi in in some some parts of it in special mm. effects but like the they didn't go down the cgi characters that george lucas did with like phantom menace and stuff where yeah. just like completely because that that was only this this was 97 right yeah and phantom menace was like 2000 2000 so only a couple of years later yeah but but uh they went for like you know, costumes as opposed to CGI characters and compute digitized mm. character characters and stuff. And I, I like that. I like that about it. I did back then. I'm not so sure now mm. that I think it's um, as good as what I anticipate, what I remember it being with, yeah. with the, with the aliens and stuff. Well, that brings up um, one of my first kind of points to do with how movies, that are set in the future. It's always intriguing to see how the future is depicted. Yeah. Like in terms of uh, what, what do people wear? How do they travel about? What do buildings look like? What's the technology like? And all, all that kind of thing. <laughs> this is a future. Um, you said it's mad for lots of different reasons. There's a few things in the future. If that is what the future is to hold for me, I would love to actually be part of. So I suppose, first of all, the idea that everybody is running around in some kind of rubberized PVC <laughs> fur and or leopard print outfits yeah. because yeah. they've all been styled by Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah, this is Jean-Paul Gaultier's vision of the future, which is basically just what he was like designing what at he the was time in the, the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, so he just thought, I know how can I take a kinky sailor's outfit that is skin tight and made of <laughs> made of lycra, and, and then sci-fi just, it and just sci-fi it. Get all of Zorg's henchmen and buddies <laughs> wearing these flipping black muscle tops with <laughs> with See, like he, weird yeah. little plastic berets on. Yeah. They're, they're all bald with these mad little like plastic, yeah, like a plastic skull cap almost <laughs> that just like covers covers their head. But like they're purple. It's really, it's really, and yeah, and they're all big, massive guys. Yeah, with 
black lycra and and they're wearing like almost like leatherette shorts <laughs> like yeah. really short shorts really short very <laughs> snug very tight shorts but they didn't make me see i wasn't i wouldn't have been scared of them <laughs> well not for the reason of, of <laughs> I, let's leave that there i wouldn't have been scared of them as i might otherwise be if they were wearing a different kind of attire let's just think say it would that. have been like a prison situation <laughs> Yeah, but they, I mean, but even like Bruce Willis, obviously Bruce Willis has the the reputation of being man in a vest. That's his, his yeah. MO yeah. throughout 80 to 90% of his career. Yes. And it was fun to then see how, how can Jean-Paul Gaultier make man in a vest a hundred odd years from now? And all he did was make man in bright orange rubber vest yeah. <laughs> right from the get-go <laughs> yeah amazing so it's really good though i i i, I totally bought into it i thought fun and like lilu's like costume where it's just like rags you know in in the appropriate yeah. places and um uh but 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 again with like the whole like city scene which which is clearly taken um a lot of it's uh inspiration from like um blade runner mm. but but more uh, but more camp more kind of comic booky yeah like um, a kitschy look style the yeah. yeah 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 so there was there was that i mean yeah if i was there if i was alive in 100 years what what rubber outfit would you wear what do you of think? choice of choice, choice if of... you could make like a mishmash of what you saw in fifth element what would you go for? Well, I think the person who is dressed best is Tricky. Tricky, He, he just yeah. wears like a, a, a really cool leather jacket. And not besides. Nothing on, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> At one point, isn't he wearing like a bit of a leather style It looks like a, tie, like a tie. But like a I bit always, long one. <laughs> yeah, I always assumed it was like a really long skinny leather tie. Um, mm. But I, but it might just be part of his jacket. Is that when it, at the airport when he's trying to yeah yeah pose as Corbin his, Dallas, blag his way onto the flight? Yeah. yeah, tricky is pretty sound. I don't know. Maybe I would go more Zorg, like in terms of like he's got like an oil print, hasn't it? Like neon coloured oil finish. Yeah, top. do you know what it? So if you catch you know different it remi- light, it looks yeah, like a different or, or like per, it's like pearlescent. Pearlescent, isn't it? yeah, that's it. Yeah, it reminded me of Marty McFly's jacket in Back to the Future Two because it was the same kind of color and that has like a bit of a pearlized um, mm. sheen to it. Well, yeah. he wears two, but he he, he trades off, doesn't he? Zor- I mean, that's a great name, isn't it? Zor- Last week we had Zinge, the Lost <laughs> City of Zinge, and now we've got Zorg. It's only uh, one, which is the most sci-fi name for a baddie ever. It's it's only one click away from Zerg, isn't it? From Toy Story, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you've got Zorg, yeah. Zerg. Zerg. <laughs> um, but he wears he wears, he either wears a black pinstripe mm. number, or he wears that kind of like yeah oily pearlescent thing. Mm. So yeah, I think. But uh, you'd go for Zorg's. You would go for his outfit. Yeah, just a bit of like his lounge. I'd have it for like loungewear, maybe like the <laughs> yeah. like the pearlescent nice. number. Just if I'm about the house, then maybe the pinstripe trench. If yeah, I'm out for, and about, for out and about, yeah, yeah strictly business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, the fashion was definitely something that appealed to me. But what was kind of cool was the other week I was away for work in London, 
and I stayed in a hotel where the room, <laughs> albeit it bore a, a kind of slight resemblance to Corbin Dallas apartment. Apartment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like it was one of these. I, I could say it's called the, the premier. It was a premier in one, but it's called a hub. They call them the hub hotels, right? And it's like this cube, and like you say, everything's really compact and or accessible and or a, a tuck away feature um, somewhere else in the room. So the desk pulls out from the end of the bed. The shelving at the sides. Everything is controlled from like this one panel right by the side of your your head where you lie down. So nice. you've got all these different lighting, the aircon, um, all of this thing. The only thing that was separate was the bathroom. There's like a hidden wardrobey thing behind the mirror and all your power outlets. But the whole room was like, I don't know, maybe 20 by 20 foot squared. It was tiny. So the shower didn't like go up and no, down. No, with I, the wasn't, of I wasn't given four cigarettes for the day to help me quit. <laughs> it just popped down in little um, perspex tubes. Um, but now it was kind of cool. So I enjoyed that. It didn't play me like heavy beats when I wake up. Like, like <laughs> Neo-futuristic um, big beat tunes as I woke up. I was disappointed. I wish it did. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was nice. Um so again, if I could have like an apartment like his, clothes. Would you like want to this. live in it? Would you want to live in that kind of apartment though? Like as as the bachelor Joel of the year twenty three, twenty three. Um, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. And I, the, other, the other thing I liked about it was, even though he's in this massive high rise, mm. um, one thing I would have really loved would to have Mister Kim, just fly up to my window. <laughs> And give me, and give me Thai food and quote Eastern philosophy at me from his like craft ship like a boat, and then when yeah. he's done, just throw fortune cookies at me. It was that's cool though. I would love that if like somebody could just yeah float up to you like Uber Eats yeah. floats up to your window and just passes it through the through the window and is uh, yeah, and that that looked pretty cool. But he's cooking it fresh. That's the difference. Oh yeah, right there in front of you. Not in a sweaty, awesome. not in a sweaty box. Yeah. So yeah, the the futuristic vibe was a, a nice a nice touch. The idea that it was set when it was. Um, yeah. Certainly from a visual perspective, like I say, watching it as a teenager, then it hasn't aged particularly well. But mm. I still enjoy the that approach of having it set in the year that it was. Well, okay, so let's get let's get to the the actual story, hmm. because I think the less you think about the story, the better, <laughs> because it makes no sense whatsoever. So we start off in Egypt in nineteen fourteen, is it? Yeah, yeah. And you've got matey, uh, Mister Archaeologist, with Luke Perry yeah. looking looking all fine, um, a bit part did, for Luke Perry as yeah. well, totally done in minutes within the but first I, I think he'd disappear he was i think it was strange back in 97 for luke perry to be in a, a film i don't remember luke perry being in anything after about 92 was well, he still he, a big he peaked was he still, i think beverly hills 90210 yeah he peaked on it well and, I, and because i never watched that so I, I luke perry was just this kind of anomaly that i i was aware of his existence but you know, ne- never our paths would have met. Um, mm. So, he, so the fact that he rocks up in a, a Luc Besson film was was a bit weird. Yeah. But he's only momentarily in it. 
and then they, so he they he uh, deciphers the hieroglyphic uh, whatever that's that's been etched into this into this wall and and discovers that there's this fifth element and it's going to come and save the world mm. and, and then the, and then these aliens appear that look like teenage mutant <laughs> sci-fi heroes the mangalores is that what they're called oh no you're talking about the goodies the goodies yes like big turtle yeah big yeah turtle. the gold the gold metal turtles yeah um they they rock up they're the uh, the mon monashi one mondashi one of course <laughs> they they give the key to the priest and say it's going to be like every five but they, doesn't it what isn't it every five thousand years this thing happens yeah so evil it must re- have been returns. 300 years before the next five thousand five thousand year. years right yeah. the next okay but then we find out that this evil is a planet just a dark planet it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, that can communicate with people. It can call you on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> claiming <laughs> claiming to be Mr. Shadow. <laughs> oh, and oh, Mr. Shadow, that's so cool that that's what his name is, Mr. Shadow. Uh, but the fact that in the in this high-tech space age future, they still have telephones, not not smartphones, <laughs> but they still have like a, just a small a small kind of like portable uh, cordless phone that they yeah, still call yeah. each other on not video phones just a little cordless phone yeah. with a great touch it's like we can't we can't envision anything better than a small cordless <laughs> it phone. doesn't get any better than this we've uh, we've peaked with our telecoms back in 97 <laughs> to the point where a hundred years from now it makes no difference yeah um but yeah so also i've got a question how did so Zorg is in in cahoots with Mister Shadow, this this yeah, dark yeah. planet? How did they meet? How did that come? How did that meet come you about? You can only you can only assume because they allude to little bits. Like Cornelius was like, "Oh yeah, he came the the monk who's obviously been entrusted with this secret weapon or the knowledge." Bilbo, Bilbo, yeah, Bilbo's <laughs> been Bilbo's still he's got the same outfit. <laughs> yeah. He was just trying it on for size prior to. Lord of the Rings. And um, so, yeah, he's been entrusted with the knowledge of the super weapon to combat the super evil power. Yes. Um, but presumably, Mr. Shadow has been in touch with Zorg and said, you need to start sniffing around for these stones now. <laughs> and um, so he's gone, sought Cornelius out to see if he can figure out where they are. Right. So, okay. um, but that's like you say, that's just a couple of lines in the film that let you know, OK, there's a bit of previous here with with Zorg and Mr. Shadow. Mm. And when he said, uh, his secretary, Mr. Shadow's on the line, I don't want to be disturbed. Or unless it's Mr. Shadow. It's a shadow. Put yeah. him straight through. Yeah. Um, so it sounded definitely like... been in communicado for <laughs> a while. Mr. Shadow sounds like a mucky phone call, but he, when he's yeah, it does. through. And he's uh, Zerg, oh, Zerg, Zorg sat there. <laughs> Sweating the wear, sweating the black stuff. Well, well, is that blood? Is that sweat? Is it dye from his hair because he's sweating, sweating profusely? So I, because I when went... you look, it it kind of it doesn't come from his hairline. It just kind of like starts right in the high up towards his hairline, yeah, but just yeah. below. So there's two instances of this, isn't there, in the film? I went snooping around on some nerdy forums, right, in relation to sci-fi movies, because I wanted to know. Because I was like, oh yeah, that's a an interesting detail. Mm. It's first visible at the start when we first see this super evil 
force in the form of a planet when mm. the general aboard the ship's trying to destroy it with the missiles. Nukes, yeah. Um, and then when it finally gobbles up the ship right before he's got the flipping trip uh, coming down right, his head. Okay. And then when Zorg's on the phone to him, same thing. So I'm like, ooh, what's that? And then, so on a Reddit forum and the, the deep dark web, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I went looking around. And apparently, there's uh, a Luke Besson AMA on um, on Reddit, and he responded because somebody asked him the question. Yeah. Um, so fair play to Luke Besson when he said, um, so the question was, please, I have to know. <laughs> yeah, I've written a whole Reddit thread, so I have to know, please, Luke Besson, Mr. Besson. Monsieur Besson, what the hell is the brown stuff that runs down people's foreheads when talking to the ultimate evil in Fifth Element? And he replied, our entire body is full of impurities. The evil oh. is able to concentrate them and to exit through the skin, thankfully through the skin. Think of all the other yeah. places it could exit. Um, exactly like when you're sick and, you're, <laughs> and your impurities go out through your pimples. Well, and when my I'm sick, the impurities don't come out of my pimples, I'll tell you. No. But that's what he said. So that's the official uh, response. So like, in, you know, in um, The Green Mile, when the big dude gets the eve gets the bad stuff out of sucks people out, and, yeah. and su- sucks it out it's it's that kind of it's the impurity being, being brought drawn to out just right okay so that's what that doesn't make any sense to me luke besson's um explanation makes less sense than it's just his uh, what i thought yeah <laughs> or, just, or a bit of blood or yeah. sweat or he's whatever he's getting his yeah. sweat on and it's made yeah. his hair dye run yeah yeah that's true so, I mean, there's lots of little details like that um, that, yeah, do make the story a little bit more incongruous because you're left with more questions than perhaps you went in there with, knowing of the basic fight between good and evil, which we were well, expecting to see. Well, this this is the thing, and I think this is looking at it really critically and I, and again I don't think you should because you'll enjoy it less I certainly enjoyed <laughs> it less being critical about it yeah. but there's so much exposition at the beginning so it's trying to explain what's going on and why it's happening mm. and and everything that then they but then it doesn't explain like the actual real things that probably need explaining so yeah. it's it's just i mean the number of times they they the word perfect is used in that first like 20 minutes it's just like perfect 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 okay and and so we understand that Lilu is perfect yeah. right that that she is perfect that she is this supreme being perfect and corbin's looking for the he, he mentions that he's looking for the perfect woman yeah yeah uh, there's, there's a bit of a uh a give me uh that, that that comes back later in the film and but so there's all this exposition but then but there's so many questions that are just like ambiguous and i i wish he did just not bothered with all trying to explain too much of what's going on because mm. it doesn't explain it well enough to make me go okay that's fine that's i i understand what's going on now um so they should have just left left it ambiguous and just have it more as a metaphor yeah, or, or a, just, a, an allegory for evil. Yeah, and... or just let your imagination fill in yeah. the blanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that would have worked much better. 
Well, I mean, when it comes to to blanks, there were a few other details which I enjoyed. Um, not necessarily because of the futuristic environment, although I suppose if you're talking about some kind of existence or coexistence with extraterrestrials, you would always assume it's futuristic because mm. as far as we're concerned, we don't know that there is um, other life like unto us in terms of a humanoid uh, person out there. But I suppose I've got one question to ask, which is how much would you, if you had one available to you right now, not even in the future, want one of the freaky ass creatures, elephant creatures that lives in Zorg's Zorg's desk, desk, that he occasionally lets out of its box to kind of stroke. Like a, a oh, like does, a yeah. like a villain while it cr- <laughs> while it curls its horrible little trunk. But it, its... it looks really nice. I don't think an evil an evil villain would have such a cuddly little <laughs> elephant like creature because it, it it looks like I can understand like what's what's his name in Inspector Gadget who has like the claw. The ca- Claw, because yeah. he has, because the, the cat he has looks kind of a bit kind of it's evil. It's a baddie you know? cat, isn't it? Yeah, it's a baddie cat. But this isn't a baddie little sidekick <laughs> thing. A... This is like a cuddly little elephant. Its, its eyes are huge, and it yeah. looks like it's wearing like eyeliner and flipping <laughs> mascara as well. It's got, these, it's got these beautiful eyes. It's purely, it's almost like it's been bred that way as well, because it's purely yeah. smooth. It's like a like some kind of futuristic sphinx cat with a trunk <laughs> and he's just there it comes out and then he's trying to obviously has that little moment where he chokes on a cherry and it can't do yeah. anything for him no and cornelius makes his point of oh look all this wealth and power and tech and you can't can't even save you you flipping elephant you feeble elephant creature <laughs> that you keep in a desk you can't even save you so yeah I'd i love- would want one though of I course, absolutely. If I could have one in my desk right here, right now, yeah. I'd say, I'd say, you press a button, it just comes up. Oh, so... lovely, yeah. Oh, your eyes are beautiful today. <laughs> Wrap your trunk around my neck while I stroke you like a pussycat <laughs> on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, freaky creature. I mean, you're not even not supposed to know what it is, are you? Well, no, you, you're not. And again, it's... And it's good. It's never explained. It never comes back. It's just that thing that lives in the desk and he, yeah, he occasionally. But does it? Is it to show that Zorg has like a human side, like a kind? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it humanizes like a, him a little bit. He cares for something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you another weird creature um, or creatures. You know when they, for again, not not explained, which is good. But mm. they, when the when the space shuttle is about to take off and the dudes go underneath with the flamethrowers <laughs> to get the, my favorite bits. The, the little creatures the parasite that are, that, things yeah that have just attached themselves underneath do you remember i had to write i had to do a google search so my next door neighbor when we were kids he had this like it it was like a puppet like a rubberized <laughs> puppet thing. This all so, this sounds like a terrible memory that you've suppressed already. No, it's it's real and I'm going to it was called a boglin. Oh, boglin. Yeah, totally remember <laughs> yeah. boglins. Yeah. And they, 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 that's what they reminded me of, these little things. Because you, you never see them kind of close up. But you can tell they're, they're like rubberized things, that balls that just yeah, kind of just fall. And down. just 
Um, but that's what it remember. It reminded me of a boggling. But you know, as a very quick aside on the, yeah. on the on the, uh, on the subject of boglins, if you ever want to foot like a bit of a laugh, just look up really quickly in succession, maybe almost like a Flickr book online, a boglins face, and then look up Andrew Lloyd Webber and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> And if you flick between the two, you, you can't tell the difference. Much of a difference now. A couple of boglins, him and his brother. <laughs> anyway, coming back to coming back to the that's one of my favourite scenes. Actually, the the bit where they're about the to take off guy. on the um, this this is obviously the means of travel now. It's not just a, a plane journey. It's a, no. a spaceship journey out to this exotic yep. planet. That's where people take their holidays, this luxury Fos, place. Floston Paradise. Floston Paradise, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it made me chuckle because you've got these two fellas, a couple of stoners who are responsible for this ship, which obviously, because it's the future, runs on, like, nuclear tubes that glow green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That need to it, be it took, changed. It took me. It took me back to the rock because it was kind of in the same kind of cylindrical kind of thing. Yeah. This neon tube obviously makes this ship go at light speed and fly from planet to planet. Mm-hmm. But yet, such a dangerous, um, <laughs> volatile thing is in the hands of these two stoners when he's there going, "Give me some heat in here, man!" <laughs> so they burn. Not only are they in charge of a nuclear fuels, <laughs> they're in charge of. Uh, flamethrowers <laughs> to, to torch all these parasites to death. Boglins. Can we just call them Boglins? Torch Andrew Lloyd Webber and his brother to death, right? And then once they're gone, it's like, yeah, man, come on, let's go I'll get you another one, man. And then off they walk while they want. The, the fella with the dreads, the Rastafarian lad, he's just like, yeah, man, he can smoke this all day. He's loving it. And then he's just got that one other fella with him. Looks like a teenager who's just completely <laughs> off work it. experience. Yeah, he's all work experience. Just completely off it. And he's there. He can barely stand up. But yeah, that was a nice moment. That's one of the moments. I think I remember quoting that line. Bring me yeah, some heat some in heat. here, man. Give yeah, me some heat. Definitely. Like, I, there's lots of lines from this film that I realised what re-watching it, um, not having watched it in a good few years, just how much I still use, like with my kids even, and they would oh, even really? know like, the concept. Give, a, the give context. me an example. So there's the line. So Zorg has gone to get the stones from the ship because he realises they've gone to Lost in Paradise to keep them safe from theft so that the ultimate weapon against evil is preserved. And um, he's been foiled a number of times, hasn't he? And he's he's taken away an empty case that he thinks is full of the stones and isn't, and he's done it again. And he's flying away, thinking he's made good his escape, and there's nothing in it. And he has like a little breakdown, like a little panic attack style laughing breakdown, as only Gary Oldman can. Like he yeah. totally plays it perfectly. And then he he comes as he's flying back. It cuts to him at the wheel of the ship, and he goes, "I am very disappointed." <laughs> I marked it as one of my favourite lines. <laughs> yes, I was just like, I totally say that in that very same fashion to my kids. Yeah, because it's very distinct, because it's almost like he stops. It's like, I am very disappointed. Oh, he yeah, enunciates it's very, it's, every yeah, single it's uh, very syllable. Good. Yeah. So there's that. And then one of my other favourite lines, maybe, we, yeah, we can, we can have a look at some of our favourite lines, um, was whenever my kids are... Um, are eating ice lollies or say would you like an ice lolly kids 
<laughs> one of the things that Ruby Rod, who we haven't even mentioned oh, yet. No, Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod, who who carries certain scenes throughout the rest of the film, um, with his with his comic relief. Um, when he's introducing the fact that they're going to Floston Paradise and Corbin Dallas is going there because the government's engineered the he's, competition he's winning for him to the win competition, yeah. And for him to go there. Um says he obviously has to do a little plug because it's a sponsor that it's the fact that it's a competition <laughs> for Floston Paradise. Um what is it he says? He says Floston Paradise, a luxury resort with follies, jollies, lickum lollies, wine, women and hoochie hoochie hoo. <laughs> So, you say that to your kids? I don't say the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, whenever they want a lolly, I go, mmm, follies, jollies, lick them lollies. <laughs> <laughs> and they have no idea where that's from. No, so I'm, of course not. I'm hoping one day they'll watch the film and go, flipping neck, you've been saying that to us for years. What on earth? <laughs> How long have you kept that one quiet from us? Oh, dear me. Well, Ruby Rod, to be honest, re-watching it, when I, when, when I first watched it, we would quote all his lines because he is like, he's just, mm. he's just a ball of energy, isn't he? And he's just oh, got yeah. all the best lines and just like, well, now I don't think he's got all the best lines, but, but back in the day, I used to think he was just like amazing. Now I find that character so utterly annoying like i cannot <laughs> stand the character of ruby rod and everything he says is annoying chris tucker mm-hmm. in 1997 was huge wasn't he whatever happened to chris tucker he ballooned for one did he i say ballooned comparatively speaking well i mean, I mean he's just, skeletal he was, in this yeah he was like a flipping um if he turned sideways you'd miss him but um yeah yeah, he he's put on a bit of a bit of clam in a between bit of now and them. Um, but yeah, what else was he in? I remember him being in Rush, Rush Hour. Hour, Rush Hour Two. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, but those films were massive. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were big. Um, but no, I, I don't remember him being in that much else. He was in um, Jackie Brown, but it was a small part at the start. He gets killed by Samuel L. Jackson in the puts him oh. in the boat of the car. <laughs> I've not I've not seen it. Thanks for the spoiler. Oh well it's right at the start. It's it's oh, inconsequential okay. to the rest okay. of the, the movie. So you can expect Chris Tucker to be killed in Jackie Brown right at the start. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yes, that is correct. He did kill Chris Tucker in the first <laughs> few minutes. <laughs> um But no, I suppose any other favourite lines for you? Um so favourite lines. So I uh, the I, 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 you won't understand this, but I, I appreciated, um, so, uh, Bilbo Baggins, uh, sidekick, um, whose name is David, David. David so yeah. I really appreciated that in the year 2300 or whenever it is that David has made a comeback as a name yeah, and that's, uh, go. so it only takes 300 also, years, 300 years time. There is also, I don't know whether you're going to read into this with your David comment there uh-huh. 300 years time mcdonald's still exists though, as this, well. Uh, well yeah i guess <laughs> it's there in the movie yeah um but there's so um yeah it, it, david gets a lot of praise from from the priest so i just like those lines he's he's mm. he's told good job david and that's that spoke to me <laughs> was that just for you <laughs> yeah he's a bit of an unsung hero though david in this isn't he 
Like yeah, he's a bit he, of a... he he break he he unleashes the power of of the four elements. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I just say about the four elements? So, yes. so there's the Lilu Lilu, which we haven't really mentioned at all, mm. but she she gives this riddle. So they're trying to work out how to unlock the power, and like how do we how do we turn them on? And she she gives instead of just saying blow on it, wet that one. Put fire on that one. She says, "Wind blows, fire burns, rain falls, and then it just tails off." Well, I thought rain isn't an element; it's water that's an element. Yes. So, whoever wrote this this riddle or old saying, and then also, do you reckon they tailed off there because they didn't know what to say for Earth, because? Obviously, wind blows, mm. fire burns. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll let you off with rain falls. Can you think of a line that would work for earth? Earth muddies. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. I know exactly why earth they didn't moves. write a line for earth moves. Yeah, but that doesn't help them unlock it. No, it wouldn't. No, not at all. So that's why they dropped that earth bit because there was nothing they could have. Flip so the Lilo was useless in that situation, she, wasn't she? In that situation, she was. But she... Okay. is This is the trouble, again, especially in the 90s. So we've got this film, and I, and I guess it's progressive, and it even like a bit of a nod and a wink, because Bilbo... What's his name? I shouldn't be calling him Bilbo. Ian Holm. But, but his character. Uh, Cornelius. Cornelius. So Cornelius... The, he, he's. I think he says something like, "He's a she," as in, he oh, was expecting we were expecting, the, Yeah, yeah. He was. We were expecting a man, and the fifth element, the supreme being, is a woman. So that's kind of progressive. Mm. Um, but it's then still Bruce Willis, <laughs> man in a vest, man, man, <laughs> man in a vest, doing all the hero stuff. Mm. And then she is just revived at the last minute to. I don't know. She she kicks some Mangalore. Oh, she does. Trash. Yes. Doesn't she? At that yeah. One, she at no. She point. does. She does. Yeah. And she does it really well. I think. Yeah. As like Une- in an action. But again, sequence. unexpectedly, it's kind of like, oh wow, she can do like kung fu yeah. and stuff. Whereas you're like, oh, if you'd have made out, she was pretty handy, pretty tasty from the get go. Well, she was because she smashed that unbreakable oh, yeah, that's true, chamber yeah. that she's she's locked in and, and door through the tinfoil wall <laughs> yeah which looked paper thin <laughs> like yeah. it didn't look like she burst through this like really thick metal thing it was she like literally through. like she just poked on <laughs> yeah. yeah well but that's... that's so but do you do you feel that she that that's a good representation that she was given enough kind of uh you know it was, was she the hero? Was Bruce the hero? No, because I think even in the hero? end, even in the end, in her frailty as the wounded party that Man in the Vest had to carry into the sacred temple to then initiate the weapon, she was still indispensable, wasn't she? It was like, well, you yes. need, it was a symbiotic thing. You need both to make it work. But the, see, I likened it to like a fairy tale where like the the you know the the princess mm. is still saved by the the prince who comes along gives her yeah, a kiss and revives her and then and then oh but i did like that 
the sexual assault bit. Well, I didn't like the sexual assault <laughs> bit. Obviously, no, let me take that back. I liked that part when Man in a Vest sexually assaults her oh, and she pulls the gun it. on him. Yeah, that was, there <laughs> was no it, consent there, Bruce. No, there? and that was, I thought that was good because she is genuinely like, not without my permission. That's yeah. what she says. And they not. even spelled that out. Ectogamet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You need to start saying that to people when you say yeah. no. Ectogamet. Ectogamet. Just hand up ectogamet. Ectogamet. I'm going to start. I can, I can add that to my use of uh, my catalogue of daily lines from the fifth element. Ectogamet. Oh, dear. So my, my another line that I do uh, quote on the regular is um, there's a few moments where the police are involved. The police in the future seem to be involved in quite a totalitarian way yeah, in society. Yeah. They have a lot of control when it comes to yeah. weeding out wrong-uns. Yeah. And they, they go do that lockdown control yes. operation in his building. And they're the going, whole building lockdown, yeah. They're going door to door, scanning yeah. in the doors, who's here, who's there, right, we need you. And then they just throw, throw the person in a bag and drag them off. Yeah. Um, and he says, are you classified as human? And Bruce Willis responds, negative, I am a meat popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a great line. But wouldn't you think that the police would be like a bit annoyed? That's a bit suspicious. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, a meat popsicle, you say. It is a great line. Hello, though. hello, hello. And then the other one, the, the response from the guy who they, they arrest in... Um, oh, the, the smoke you guy. Yeah, it comes to the door, smoke you. And I still, I still use that as well to this day. <laughs> It's a great uh, line. It's it's a because it's a really good um, f you without saying f you. Like it's yeah. a great re- alternative. Oh yeah, and you still you. feel jip. Like if you were on the other end yeah. of it, you'd be like flipping what? Whoa. Smoke you? Yeah. I'll flip and smoke you. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a great line. Uh, any more lines? Perhaps before we move on to uh, well, our I, next one. I tell. Uh, so I like the film. Mm. It is a hot mess. And it's all over the place and you, you have to not think about it. But do you know what? It's still, it still hit hit me in the feels. It got me. And do you know which bit it was? Which bit? Could you, could you possibly have a guess at which bit maybe moved me? Moved you? Was it, um, I don't know. I mean, other than the ending where she, he says that he loves her. Are there any I mean, other it's, it's, it's sort of around that bit. So, but it's not specifically the fact that he loves her because that's you know throwaway. But because she 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 gets on the internet, she gets on Google, oh, and she she war researches bit. war, yeah, right? Yeah. And all the scenes are from the, the nine the twentieth century. Really. Yeah, <laughs> <It's just laughs> nothing happens in between. No, no. Um, but she's. I, I think I wrote it down. So yeah, it did, and this re- this really hit hit hard, right? Mm. So she says, "What's the point of saving life when you see what you do with it?" Mm. And I'm a bit like, "Yeah, I'm on her side. What's the point?" <laughs> <laughs> you gave up at that point. Yeah, you, were, you weren't moved to act. You were moved no, just to I resign no, yourself just, to look to Just generally, like, because that's kind of how I feel so much of the time. Just like, not oh, to bring this down, it, but I'm going to bring it down. It. <laughs> But just kind of like, we are terrible. As a human race, we're terrible. And if there was a fifth element that was coming to save us from a big fire planet that was hurtling towards Earth, yeah. I'd be like, just leave it. Just let be what will be. Yeah. Sack we've had off. a good we've had we've had a good run Sack of this. Off. Yeah, at this point, let's just yeah, yeah let's call it quits. Okay. Uh, well that was it. That was the fifth element. Oh, can I just say this as well? Yes. So uh, where did you watch this? When? 
know where, like on what format, what what. I uh, watched it on multiple formats. So I, I started watching it on the TV, and then when my wife went shopping, I was sat in the car watching it on my phone. But what, as well. um, did you did you rent it? Did you? I rented it, yeah, on Apple TV. Oh, okay. So I found it, for, and this is for anybody listening. If you want to go oh. and watch it. It's on YouTube for free. I was about to spend £3.50 to rent it. And if you just put in Fifth Element, I'm going to show <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try and show you. Well, it's oh it's not going to come up. Um it's called I for some you still reason had it's to rent it on YouTube. Oh no, because I found it under a little uh, so, a little account called Hollywood English Collection oh. and they've just called it Outer World. Outer but, world. But it's the whole film in good quality, high definition, for free. So for I just free. streamed it. I just so streamed it for free. If you're willing to risk copyright law. No, it's fine. It's YouTube. It's fine. It's not me that's in trouble. That's true. But, but it's, whoever it's hosted it and whoever. Outer world. Outer so I saved myself save myself £3.50. Brilliant. Well, just so you know, before we move on, we're not advocating no, behaviour. I'm not just saying it is available. If, if it was available and you happen to chance upon Outer World, enjoy. It's had 2.1 million views. All so right, fair enough. They'll have to come and get all of us. Okay, yeah, this is it. Who did they choose? Eh? Yeah. Right, so moving on now. True Lies. This was your suggestion. It um, was. Before I read the blurb, why, why suggest True Lies? What was it about this that rang true? After so many, <laughs> after so many years. Well, because uh, I can't. It's just always been there, and I, this is again a film I've not watched for maybe twenty years, more than that. In fact, twenty five years, wow. and in fact, I've probably only watched it three times. Mm. Um, but it's let, just read the blurb. We'll, we'll get into blurb. into okay. it. We'll get into it. Well, needless to say, it's an Arnie film. I think of Arnie. all of all the films on our list that we're going to cover in this podcast, I think Arnie's going to feature. <laughs> he looms large. He does loom large. He epitomises a time in Hollywood, um, a, a genre, a time, a stereotype. Yeah, <laughs> a living, <laughs> a living uh, uh, action. What's the word I'm looking for? Demagogue, is that the word? Yeah, absolutely. So, True Lies is from 1994. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Special Agent Harry Tasker, a top spy in the ultra-secret Omega Sector, who also dances a mean tango. Ah, uh, flipping <laughs> Although, to his neglected wife Helen, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, he's just a dull computer salesman. But while Harry's been busy fighting terrorists, Helen's been gathering secrets of her own. When their two secret lives unexpectedly collide, Harry and Helen find themselves in the clutches of international terrorists. Well, of course they do. Um, mm -hmm. Fighting to save not only their marriage, but their lives as well. So, I, I recall... I can't remember when I first saw this movie, but I do have a story. It obviously was made enough of an impact on me that when the opportunity comes to watch it again, I will watch it. And I remember a few years later, we both worked at McDonald's, didn't we? We did. In the early, early 2000s. And I remember working an evening shift midweek. And I knew that once my shift was done, 
True Lies was on ITV. It might have been. A, <laughs> it must have been. It must have been on like a Friday. How night. exciting for you! This was my Friday night, right? I think the funny thing was, I think you were working the same shift, right? And you were working the clothes, so you were yeah. there till the flipping waste while I was scrubbing yeah. out grease traps and everything else. Yeah. And I knew as soon as that store ten o'clock rolled around, I was off ski and I was back home. My dad was picking me up and I was going to watch True Lies. <laughs> and um, But at the time, someone had uh, skipped the shift and the manager, I'm going to name him because we had so many managers in that store called Dave that yeah, it doesn't, you it doesn't narrow it down. There yeah. was at least three Daves yeah. in that store. So Dave, when I do the voice, you'll know exactly who it is. I know which one it's going to be. I know which one it's going to be. <laughs> Dave says, uh, we've had somebody tell who's, um, who's skipped skip their um their shift um do you reckon you'd be able to do some overtime and stay and do the club <laughs> and i was like um and in the back of my mind i'm thinking oh true lies, oh no true lies, true lies. <laughs> <laughs> and when in that moment of really stopping to try and think of an excuse to say oh dave i'd love to i'd love to but and then come up with this amazing excuse i was just like oh for dave but but true lies <laughs> <laughs> You didn't. I did. You actually used that. And he's like, all oh, right. And in fairness to him, we didn't know what to do. But in that last hour of the shift, it was his sole mission to try and keep me on the shift until close. And he's like, oh, come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. He's like, um, he said, I'll, I'll buy it for you. I'll buy it for you. On it. Even That's, said, a great, that's a great, great management, that is. Yeah, he said, come on, Joe. I think he said, I don't know how he was going to wangle it because it wasn't his store. It was a. It wasn't. It was a franchise. It was a franchise yeah. owned by um, privately by a couple, and he's like, "Oh come on, I'll I'll pay you. I'll pay you extra, and I'll buy it for you on DVD." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh mate," and he was making it very difficult. But That's I couldn't, very tempting. But in the back of my mind, I was also thinking, "Yeah, but Dave, I can't be chewed staying here till one in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I want to go home, watch True Lies, and just pass out on the sofa once I've." But- Finished. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you left me. You abandoned me to to pick up the slack <laughs> of a, a man down, knowing that you could just go home and watch True Lies, and I'd yeah. be there. See you the later. Small See you later, Dave's. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a date with Arnie and Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> and I can't be late. See, I think I watched this, and I've I've asked permission. So Neil has allowed us to name him. <gasps> Neil's on, allowed us. Yeah, we, we won't use the surname. Friend. We won't use the surname. Okay. But Neil, so Neil gets a name check. So this was Neil House, like on he, he had it on video, and this was almost on repeat round round <laughs> their really? house. Yeah, for, for for like a period of time. Strength. If you if you went to their house between. You know, August 1995 and uh, <laughs> December 1995. It, it, was it was on continuously. Yeah, um, so like I as a family movie or somebody? No, just or just on the telly. Just on just the telly. On. All right. Yeah, just on. Nobody watching it. It's just on. It's just on. Um, Fair enough. Because um, it's not a family film. It's a. It's a, it was it a fifteen. It? it must have been a fifteen. Back in the day, I think it was a fifteen. Yeah. But I mean, oh, hang on! Can we just say so? The Fifth Element was a PG, but there are there is multiple in the background boob shots, nip slips. Yeah, nips. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah. that. Anyway, so back to back to True Lies. Out of focus, nips. Still, 
<laughs> Luke, I would imagine in the director's notes, Luke Besson's like, we need to keep this a PG. Just keep that focus <laughs> yeah. softer, I see. <laughs> yeah. Numerous teenage boys watching it, squinting at that yeah, point in time. Yeah, pa- trying to pause it. But the trouble is, with video, it would, it would oh, move around, wouldn't it? You'd never see it. Far too difficult. And rightly so, you mucky yeah. boys. Yes. So anyway, True Lies. Yes, a 15, I think. And um, what would have made it a 15? The violence? The la- No, they say the F word. That's what it is. Straight to 15. With the F really? Word. Do you but think then, that's it? Then it was, it, it, yeah. Free, free, frequent. Frequent F-word. use of the F word. I, I tell you what really shocked me. So I watched this last night. And the first thing that really shocked me about this film is that it's directed by James Cameron. <laughs> yes. I yeah. had no clue who directed this film until last night. Yeah. And I am shocked that James, the behemoth that is James Cameron directed yeah. this kind of comedy... Spoof. It's action, almost like an action spoof, film. isn't it? Yeah, but not quite, but, not quite hot shots spoof. No, <laughs> no. But like very much tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. Oh yeah, it it knows, it knows it's silly. Yeah. It knows when it's, it knows what it's doing. But I just found that incredible, and and, uh, but of course, like James Cameron, he he did Aliens and. Uh, Titanic and Terminator 2. Mm. So he's worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger before. He's worked with Bill Paxton before in in Aliens. In Aliens yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I I thought he was a straight up serious director, not and wouldn't lend himself to something like this. It was it was a There's surprise. Enough, I suppose there was enough of an action element in it for him to put his mark on that from that point of view. Like, yeah. oh, this is. It's got action sequences that are worthy of the Hollywood action titans of the time. Yes. But do you think he just wanted to do something different? different? Yeah, yeah, probably. I've done the action thing. I'm going to do an action comedy. A bit like, um, uh, what's his chops? Who did The Shining? Uh, Kubrick, mm. when he, he did like... Um, uh, Doctor Strange Love and yeah, yeah. So just like I, I can do comedy. Here, here's proof that I can. Yeah, do. Yeah, Oscar Scorsese when he did like King of Comedy before comedy, he yeah, did all the big yeah. kind of gangster films that he was known for. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I suppose one thing that we have to talk about though is if it if it is going to be deemed an action movie of sorts, not just any action movie, an Arnie action movie. Yeah, is Body Count. <laughs> Okay, so, yes. body count, it becomes very, very quick from the off that there's going yeah. to be high body count. We see him in an undercover situation in Switzerland, no less, taking yep. out um, semi-quasi-Nazi-like baddies. It's it's not really ever really explained, yeah, why why he's decided. But well, you ca- carry on. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not really obvious. But there's a, there's a high body count. But right from the off, I'm gonna go with what was your throughout the whole movie. What was your favorite kill? <laughs> favorite. Well, he does he does which you don't see much of this anymore. But there's a lot of neck snapping. Yes, 
twist and snap. Tw- twist and snap, which you just don't see anymore because I don't think it's a thing. I don't think you can really easily no. kill somebody yeah, by it's... just twisting their neck sharply in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely that's just going to be a bit of whiplash. Yeah, like, oh, very sore. Ooh. I mean, you might do some damage, but I don't think you're going to kill as many people as he does with his bare hands just by twisting their neck to the side. And but yeah, favorite, it's not like he even makes much kill. contact, is it, either when no. he's doing it? No, it's just kind of like a quick kind of like... Tugs. Oh, that's you gone, yeah. Um, My favourite kill... I know what mine is, straight off the bat. I think it was great. Go on, give me... Well, I mean, apart from the obvious one at the end, yes. which is... That is a good one. Yeah. Um, we can maybe explain that. I'm assuming that's yeah. featuring in a best line somewhere. Yes. <laughs> so my, my favourite one was... Um, he... So him and Jamie Lee Curtis have established that they're both trying to keep the secret of working undercover and or being hoodwinked into working undercover as she is. Yeah. Um, And they're trying to break free of the... <laughs> the Middle Eastern terrorist stereotypes. Very stereotypical. That are holding them hostage. Um, and one of the terrorists has managed to get Jamie Lee Curtis in like a headlock gun to the head. Oh, he, yes, I he's know. Got, he's got like some kind of assault rifle in his hand. Yeah. He puts his hands in the air either side of him, but his back is turned to yes. his assailant. He holds the rifle out to one side Drops it to the deck in the distress. It's like a, an action Arnie sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah. He drops the gun to the deck as he drops it on the one side. He turns a full 90 degrees. He's got like a, a pistol gun. in the yeah. other hand. Then he shoots him square in the head whilst yeah. at close rate, like close quarters to Jamie to Lee Jamie. Curtis. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that was nice. That was a clean, that clean is a kill. Good kill. Yeah, that's a distraction, really good kill. misdirection, and then a quick shot. To the to the face. <laughs> well, just going back to that, the very first <clears throat> when he starts tallying up his first kills. Mm. So he he and that whole first sequence. So he infiltrates this dinner party um, with all these you know high valutin billionaires and stuff. Yeah, and he gets all the information that he needs, and then he he makes his escape, but he just like decides f- forget it. Blows something up, just starts <laughs> shooting people. Completely blows his cover. That this is not James Bond level kind of spying. This is yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger kind oh, yeah. of spying. This is not subterfuge like, here. Yeah, where where his his um his secret identity. It doesn't matter that he's just blown that wide open and nobody yeah everybody knows who he is now it really doesn't matter which then leads to him making his escape on skis (laughs) obviously (laughs) he can't just make a regular escape is he on skis i thought he was just running down that slope is he i know he's being tailed by guys on skis and when we say he we mean his stunt (laughs) double who looks nothing like him and in fact his stunt double is the hero of this film because he does way more acting. He features heavily, doesn't he? He does. He's in most scenes. I think this is the thing that, that James Cameron wasn't banking on, is the idea that <laughs> if you shoot something on film back in the day and it's projected on film in a cinema screen, it's like, okay, you get away with a, a dude in a wig <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from, a, from a side, a three-quarter or back angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the minute you remaster it and stick it digitally in 4K UHD yeah. on a streaming service now, yeah, the the yeah the obvious stuntman, blindingly obvious, yeah, 
But the mad thing is, though, surely he could have done some of his own stunts. Well, he does. He's on that. He's, he's properly on, horse. on that horse. He's going through like horse. a through it through a building, and yeah. he's like properly ducking under like light fittings and stuff. I know and, it's weird. It's and like the one shot, like in the open. Where they've got the tracking shot, he's on the horse, he's yeah. in hot pursuit of the flipping in, ultimate badass. Yeah, in, when it likes going through the park. Yeah, and it's like yeah, he's talking. Him. It's like that is totally him, and he's yeah. totally on that horse. That's not a CG horse. No. He's riding it. But he couldn't run down a, an icy slope. No, <laughs> like, he couldn't do that. He couldn't. And like slide on his back and shoot somebody. Yeah. He couldn't do that. And the moment, I think, when he jumps into that shallow pool in like the shopping mall, I'm pretty sure that's him too. In, shallow, which bit's in the whole on the horse on horseback before he gets in the lift. Oh yeah, it is. Yes, it's totally him. Ju- yeah, so it's it's weird that he did some of the stunts, which you would think maybe like would have taken a lot of planning and a lot. You know, there'd have been a lot of health and safety kind of checks going on there. Mm. But some of the the less, because even like some of the fighting scenes, he's not doing. He's not doing it. Yeah, like in the toilet when the the two yeah. old fellas come up behind him with the the guns. And yeah, you see him going toe to toe, and it's like, hang on, that wasn't That's not then. But and and now again, you wouldn't really get away with it. Like no. the the hero, the actor would have to do the almost all of those. And I, I know, like like Tom Cruise is like something he's known else because he's yeah. just no, he just does everything. Like he refuses to. Yeah, but, but what's his but, name as well? The guy from Tenet, um, Denzel's son. So he. Um, he does all his own stuff as well. Like he, right. he, when there's a choreographed fight scene, he properly gets involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's but that's the norm now, isn't it? Back in the nineties, or yeah. whether it was just because Arnie was just that little bit older, and he was just, or he was just yeah. maybe he's just like I can't, I don't want to do all this. Yeah, I, maybe it's a like a clause in the in contract. contract. I only do forty percent of the stunt work. <laughs> yeah, and then that's yeah. it. Well, hang on, we've done forty percent. That's it. Swap it out. <laughs> Get the guy in the wig. Um, but yeah, I suppose while we're on the subject of him chasing the main baddie mm-hmm. in the movie. <laughs> With the so, highest hairline in, in cinema. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I was watching this and my wife has a, a real knack for totally letting out savage comments without even really realising that she's done it. <laughs> Oh, she does realise, and she's just being brutal either way. Mm. Um, so I was watching this, and she's kind of half watching over her shoulder doing something else or on a phone. And she sees the baddie and just totally instantly undermines the fact that he's meant to be the main baddie in the movie and says, oh, that's the bloke from Holby City. <laughs> 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 and it's like, oh, my, my, I can no longer suspend my disbelief that you are yeah. some some hardcore terrorist that's going to no. drop a nuclear warhead no. on, on America because you are Art Malik from Holby City. <laughs> At least like 94 episodes. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of uh, undermined that a little bit. But yeah, I can understand that. he won back a little bit of credence when in that first scene where he establishes himself with Arnie and he's giving chase... Um, he nicks the motorbike, of course. But mm-hmm. prior to that, even when there's no motorbike involved, he's wearing like a pair of signature bad guy leather gloves <laughs> that I can only <laughs> assume were like some kind of wardrobe improv. He thought, 
my forehead's a little bit too large for this yeah. room. I need a bit of a distraction, some little prop that I can work with just for when I'm going toe-to-toe, especially with Arnie. Yeah. It's just going to give me that edge. We need to get, we need to get re- rebalance this a little bit because we're, yeah, yeah, I'm no match. I'm no match for Arnie. So he went into wardrobe and he saw the leather gloves and thought, <clears> I'm having I'm having them. They are it gonna... worked though. I, I thought he was a believable buddy. I mean, he was a bit, it was a bit much when he was smacking about Tina Tia Carrera. I thought that was a bit, you know, that was that was a bit much. That's two films we've seen with a little bit of. Uh, what be- was the other one? Beating women. Well, I uh, know. Oh well, there wasn't any uh, beating up women in Fifth Element, was there? No, well, she's 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 the supreme being. That's that's kind of allowed. She's gonna take a few on the chin in the process. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a superhero. It's fine. But uh, whereas Tia Carrera is just a, you know, she's just an art, a, a bad art dealer. Like yeah. she's she's in cahoots with the terrorists for loads of money, which she openly admits to. But mm. but it's undeserving of being smacked around the face a couple of times by by her boss. Yes, yes. I mean. Uh, other than those moments, were there any other significant parts to the film that constitute uh, some of your your favourite scenes? Well, I tell you, we've got a crossover from Congo from from the last episode because the dude we was do. in in we Congo um, in a in a. Would you like side, to know his Would you room? like to know his name? No, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so he is one of maybe we can introduce that now i don't know oh, let's do it yeah so he is one of what we have deemed here on myconic movies uh one of hollywood's working class heroes in as much as if you're watching a movie from any given time that's popular and that you know is going to get a lot of traction there are usually alongside the the superstar lead uh actors a few other actors who were very much indicative of that time and place in terms of movies that you would see them all over the place. But even when you saw the face, you'd go, oh, it's him. <laughs> it's, it's him. What's his name from that film? And as much as you can name all the other films and roles they've had, you yeah. can't name them at all. No. I assume in this instance, in True Lies, you're referring to the character known as Faisal. Sure, I imagine. I don't remember his name. <laughs> you don't remember, but you remember his face. Yes. H- Hollywood's working class hero uh, in this instance is Grant Heslov. <laughs> oh, no wonder he hasn't got any big roles. You can't you can't have a name Grant Heslov and expect to be an A A lister. Mem- memorable Grant Heslov. Yeah. Well, Grant Heslov, interestingly enough, after looking him up and seeing where his career kind of took him, he still did do acting roles. Um even up to, I think his last acting role was like 2019. Oh, okay. Um, but he's producing now. He produces oh, okay. a lot of TV and features. So Fair enough. He is very much... So he's still working? Still very much grind in a way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. I'll tell you one thing that I did. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Okay, so... So after the, the bombshell that this was directed by James Cameron, mm. then the next bombshell came up almost immediately, which was... Charlton Heston was in this film. <laughs> I, got, I completely forgot. I got really excited when the opening credits came up. Well, that bit where it says Charlton Heston, and this is really old school, Charlton Heston 
as Spencer, Spencer Trilby. Trilby. <laughs> so they actually That's put all... his character name yeah. up. Fantastic. That was it. When those were like his yeah. name and character came up, I went, whoa, I got really <laughs> excited. And then not only when you see and read that, you then see him on screen wearing an eye patch. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's so good. So, so good. And he's only in two scenes, but <laughs> but he nails it. He absolutely yeah. nails it. Um, so that that I love that. Yeah. Just that it's I want to see that Trilby. more. I want to see that more in Hollywood films now, where they just put the the actor's name and then they as as yeah, as, and and not even the main character, just just is is a side. And that was definitely in his in his uh, contract to oh, have yeah. Charlton Heston as yeah. yeah. He was and what a great name, Spencer Trilby. Spencer Trilby. He says, "I want to go back to the the Ben Hur glory days." Yeah, you're putting my <laughs> character name up there. That was great. There was a great subtitled line early on in that first set piece where it says he's he's upstairs and he goes like he says to somebody in a, in a foreign language we don't understand the foreign language but it, thank goodness it's subtitled mm-hmm. and he says I have to take a leak and then in parentheses it says perfect Arabic <laughs> because we expect nothing less from Arnie. As the, I just as... love the fact that they had to put that little note in. Like, oh, oh no, he said this perfectly. Perfect. Just so you know, but that's that's interesting because <laughs> Arnie, because his undercover name is like something rank rank wrist or something. I think, it's and just, he yeah. he can't even pronounce his own name. <laughs> the, the, the spy the spy name that he's given himself, he can't even pronounce that. But he can say, "I have to take a leak in, in perfect, perfect Arabic." Arabic. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and because there's another there's another bit where um, they they are off to meet um, they're going to go catch uh, Helen in in the act of meeting this guy who 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 they assume he's having an affair with. Yes. And they have to meet at eight. They're meeting at eight o'clock, and he can't even say that. He says it's nearly eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't. <laughs> We shouldn't really be laughing at one poor man's inability to speak a language that is not his first and, language. No, we? I know, and that that's true because the, I only ever speak English and I barely speak that very well. And the, but, but it's just really funny. It the really fact made of the me matter laugh. is, it almost seems like because it's Arnie, you're allowed because yeah. oh, everybody yeah. takes the mick out of Arnie. Like even in his own country, when he did films in German, they had to redub. His lines. Oh, really? Because he sounded, they said he used to sound like a farmer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, but Spencer Trilby as, I mean, Charlton Heston, coming back to that. Um, I mean, goodness me, he came up with one of my favourite lines, actually, um, of the film, which, again, in the few scenes he was in, he was able to reel off this line <laughs> which which caught my attention um which was let me see um so they they're providing him with all the intel they've got on this um arabic art dealer who's using mm. his art business as a front for acquiring nuclear weapons as most art dealers <laughs> presumably yeah. are obviously yeah. do you know what i mean surely it's the obvious cover. NATO, for... yeah, NATO needs to keep one eye on the the world's art dealers, don't they? Really, mm. um, but they're obviously not coming up with much intel at this point at the start of the film. 
Uh, to which Spencer Shelby, in his eye patch, replies, So far, this is not blowing my skirt up, gentlemen. <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> so, yeah, that was nice. Any other um, Arnie lines, though? Well, the, the ones, I, I was surprised at how many, I because, again, I'd not watched this film for, like, 25 years, mm. but I remembered so much. As it was going through, I was... in. I was not impressing. In my eyes, I was impressing my wife by like quoting the line <laughs> a second before it was actually said, or like at the yeah. beginning, you know, where like they're in the van and he goes, "Sit back" or whatever he says. He says like "lean back" and then he shoots a guy coming down the hill. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I remembered that was coming up, um, but the the Arnie lines, which again, these are lines we used to quote. Mm-hmm. Give me the goddamn page. <laughs> he <laughs> smashes the window. Yeah. That's a great line. And what what was the other one? I'm sure there was another one that he um, that I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head now though. But that "Give me the goddamn page" was was the one. <laughs> yeah, um, Bill Paxton's line when they finally rumble him as being a bit of a fraud and oh, they yes. have him on the edge of that um, dam and yes. got a gun pointed at his head and he wets himself in front of them and he's trying to even though they know convince them that he's not actually a spy and he's just mm-hmm. using it as a front to pick up women says i'm not a spy i'm nothing i'm naval lint <laughs> i'm naval lint and then he goes on to say that he has a tiny penis and it's pathetic <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just going to undermine myself out of this situation <laughs> like most people would do oh dear well because that character is great the, mm. the bill paxton character is great and we're supposed to hate him, but there are a couple of lines that he says that even I was a bit like, ooh, that's that's really like, that's even beyond, where he says, the vet gets them wet. Oh, oh that's a, a horrible line. And then, he, and then he describes Jamie Lee Curtis, Helen, mm. as having a, an ass like a 10-year-old boy. What? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm surprised. Do you know, that's the kind of line I'm surprised they haven't cut. Cut, yeah. You would have thought that kind of thing would have been cut so out by now because it's, it's, in it's so, many, so ways. many ways. Yeah, it's really, really bad. It's bad, yeah. But I, but I, I appreciate we're supposed to hate that, isn't that, that character. Isn't that right before he imagines flipping, sparking him out and making his yeah. nose bleed everywhere? <laughs> just in the car. But that's such does a, a shocking bit. Yeah. You just you are like, whoa. Did he just do that? And, and then, then it's like, like, oh no, he's just imagined that that's what he wants to do. Yeah, it's really good. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I took away from the movie was the fact that it's so ludicrous and I appreciate it's it's a comedy, so it's going to be really, really far-fetched, especially within the realms of an action movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that we have left behind an, an era of ludicrously unbelievable movies? Because well, like, Fifth Element's is, kind of there as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's futuristic, so it's sci-fi. You get away with a lot with sci-fi. But... Well, I, I, the trouble is I don't watch like the Marvel movies. Mm. So I assume that they're, they're, they are the equivalent kind of ludicrous. But I don't know because I don't, I don't watch them. But like, it's not like these things could happen in any kind of reality. Yeah. I mean, like, like, so like, I mean, I've said to this to you before, like, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, the way he, in all of his films, gives these really crap puns and one-liners after he's done yeah. something. Like a signature. Was, it, it, to me, it was like him almost like uh, auditioning for a Bond. Like, please let me be Bond. And for me, this is him being Bond. This is as close as he ever got to being oh, James Bond. That's really sad to think. That was Isn't case. it? <laughs> But, but but he he did so few of those tacky kind of after killing somebody lines in this film, which is almost like perfect for him mm. to do to do them. Whereas in like Commando <laughs> and those other type of films where you Every go like I don't line. know where this really fits, yeah, like in Predator or whatever. Um, what were we saying? Oh, just about outlandish, but yeah, ridiculous yeah I, I, th- I think I think we have kind of moved on. The, the the outlandish movies are just different now. That I think we we have more acquired, not acquired taste, but we we've you can't get away with this kind of thing much anymore. I think there are there are a few examples which I'm thinking like Deadpool. Um, yeah, yeah. But but few and far between. Right, and really a lot of, and a lot of those, like you say, are still. It's it's like this the sci-fi genre of you can get away with this because it's in space and it's, yeah. it's an imaginary future that we don't know what's yeah. going to happen. It's the same yeah. with the superhero genre as well. You're talking about people who've got superpowers already. It's it's already out there mm. as a ridiculous notion. So, yeah, maybe it comes close, but again, perhaps with zombie movies as well, like the zombie comedy kind of, let's yeah. show people getting heads batted off with spiked bats and blown to pieces yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're zombies so you get away with it and it's a horror yeah. movie slash comedy but yeah ludicrous ludicrous movies but but i did genuinely find it funny this film was fun like the bit with the saxophone like the, the bit where they're racing through the hotel lobby or whatever through through that building and he's on the motorbike and then there's a, there's like a little band playing <laughs> And there's a, there's, a guy on, there's a guy on the saxophone yeah. and he kind of like carries on playing as the, the motorbike comes past and then he sees the horse coming and he kind of goes like, what? <laughs> and it genuinely made, made me laugh. It was like a little funny... A comedy uh, tooth. But yeah, it was genuinely funny. But I tell you... I, okay, so... But but I think there is a big... The, the big scene, which I remember... And for obvious reasons, I remembered the scene as a teenage boy is, is the scene where... Jamie Lee Curtis character strips in front of mm. um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. And can we just say, what did he think was going to, what's the best case scenario that would have happened in that situation? So she's there thinking that she's on a mission, an mm. undercover mission, and she's pretending to be a um, a sex worker. Right. And she has to strip for this guy who likes <laughs> to just watch, right? Yeah. And the, then the seedy French guy that likes to watch. Cla- what's his name? Jean Claude or something? Jean. Uh, yeah, something like that. Of course he, it is. Yes. Of course it's French. Is. He's, He's the one who voices that amazing recording on a little dictaphone thing, which yeah. is perfect sound quality, by the way. It makes <laughs> her think that he's sat. The guy yeah. sat there. He's got talking. a talk boy round his back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds like a normal voice. Yeah. <laughs> and not somebody playing it on a tape. Um, <laughs> But then he gets her to go on the bed and he starts with the rose on her face and stuff. And she get, thank goodness she gets the telephone and whacks him over the head. Yeah. But what about if she'd have not done that 
like what was what's the best case scenario that would have happened when so, he'd have just gone oh oh helen it's me it's me harry <laughs> Tess, your, yeah. your husband yeah um <laughs> I, this is I, it, I, yeah. She'd have been ticked, presumably. Well, more and than ticked. Nothing I think she would, would have happened. No, it would not have ended. She wouldn't have gone like, oh, Harry, oh, you, Harry. you big kidder. Yeah, let's turn the lights <laughs> off. Let's cut to the next scene. It would have been, hang on a minute. You flipping lied to me. You've brought me here. You've made me completely flipping demean myself. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So he, because the reason he does this is because he wants to give her an adventure, right? Yes. Because she's bored with life. They've discovered that she's bored with life. And that's why she was kind of uh, tempted by this Bill Paxton character and who was pretending to be a spy. Mm. So they go, let's give her an adventure. But that's not an, that, what, what they sent, the mission that she sent, they sent her to do was not an adventure for her because she's, she's, so nervous she's de- she's demeaned by the fact that she's got to strip it's really really uncomfortable and 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 i was watching it with with my wife and she was like this is so much through the male gaze this whole thing is filmed it's been written shot everything this is for the male gaze this is not this is not something that she would have been and uh, excited by like the character would not have enjoyed this adventure that she'd been sent you, on it was really bad do you want really to know bad. an interesting story though along the idea of uh, I suppose Hollywood being this very much a patriarchy certainly mm. in the 90s um, that this film specifically at the time once it came out it was all done and it was being released and distributed across the world um, the poster and in Hollywood, obviously, the names on the poster is a big deal. And invariably, yeah. that is written into the contract. I am the lead in this movie. Yes. My name goes at the top, blah, blah, blah. And um, James Cameron and the team were developing the poster for the movie. Obviously, it was Arnie at the top. This is big Arnie's film. Then Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnie, of all people, comes forward and says, no, I'm not having you put this poster out there unless you put me and Jamie Lee Curtis's names together in joint as joint leads for fair this play. film. Which I think is fair because I think that her character is a huge well, it's like half the it is half the film. Like I forgot how little I know that there there is obviously um a lot of action in this film. Mm. But there's but the main storyline is this is Harry discovering that he thinks his wife's having an affair mm. and trying to get to the bottom of it and surveil her and then like you know and obviously the last set piece is them kind of working together and yeah. and what have you to to combat the terrorists but i for, i forgot that but i fair play to arnie for doing that cuz he could could quite easily have gone no i i mm. this is my film she she wasn't expecting it either. yeah she was just like oh but fair, fair play to him I'm, I'm i'm pleased by that good well i suppose are there any more lines and or scenes you'd like to share with us um, before we um, tie this off there was this re- there's a really mad line and i oh it's when oh can i just say i thought the action set pieces at the end were really cool like the harrier jump jets and I thought yeah. I thought it worked really well, and they did the way they did it with like the the heat. It's almost like the the heat coming off the plane, which kind of distorts yes, yeah. everything, which made it look 
it it was a really good way of doing it because they could like distort like the the lines of of where they would you would have seen the cut between like yeah. the actual plane and like the background or the green screen or whatever so i think i thought that worked really well and the whole um oh can i bring up the, this one character the guy who's driving the limo along the when the two <laughs> the two women are in the back of the car he has only one facial expression and that is just like it's and it's that before weird. he gets shot through the face. It's, yeah, <laughs> but it's like it's because it's in it for quite a bit leading up to that. He's like when when they're exposing the fact that they've got these nuclear weapons and stuff, yeah. and he's in his suit. But he, he, every shot, he's just got the exact same face. <laughs> Even when everyone's getting really excited, like yeah. firing their guns into the air, he's just in the background. Bit, like with his perm and you're really bringing the mood down. Yeah, you're really bringing the mood down with us. He's really funny. Crimson Jihad, <laughs> but it's every so, Crimson Jihad's got a sourpuss, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> so as they're, as they're driving along and the car's out of control, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like hanging out the sun sunroof, and and Arnie's hanging off the, the skid of the the helicopter yes, trying yeah. to grab her, he says to her, and it's such a great line. He <laughs> says, "Grab my hand, do it, try it, <laughs> <laughs> try it." <laughs> Is that before he says, come on, baby? <laughs> I think it is before he says that. It's just such a weird turn of phrase to say. It's like Do you're it, trying to get somebody to grab it. my hand. Do it, try it. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, me. Well, but the, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I thought, it, it's for me, it stood up. It was funny. Um, Tom Arnold was funny. It was it was exciting enough the, the, yeah, I, I, it still stood up for me as being a good film and well worth a watch. Yeah, it was. Um, there were unexpected laughs that I'd forgotten yeah. watching it. Yeah, um, and it was. If I was to describe it, if I was writing a, a blurb for it now, I'd describe it as a, a cinematic action romp. I would describe <laughs> it as that, an action romp. Okay, well, it's been real. It's been fun. It's not. But it's been not real been fun. real fun. <laughs> But until next time, we will uh, we will return with two more films for your viewing and listening pleasure.